to Ars Arcanum. I'm Nora. I'm Autumn. We like reading fantasy books. So we do. You might know that I have a different podcast where I read science fiction books. This is a fantasy equivalent of that, kind of. Uh, you probably already know this one because it's been going on longer. Yeah. Uh, but we took a break. Yeah. Um, took, a, took a little Brando break. Um... It wouldn't be Ars Arcanum if we didn't occasionally take sabbaticals. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes for years and years, sometimes for months and months, and sometimes for, like, a year, I think? The real ones know the true time skip. Uh-huh. But I don't think any of anyone listens to I think now. I'm the only person... I'm not... You're not I the didn't... only person who knows, but you might be the only listener who knows. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um. So, we read... Um, the so, Book of Three. Yeah, we're, we're reading Mistborn. Yes. We're recording that next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to finish up the first book of Mistborn with Mark. Mm-hmm. And we're going to continue reading Sanderson at a slightly altered pace in the near future. Yeah. But we have something else planned as well. Yeah. For this episode, we read The Book of Three, which is the first... Of the five books in the Chronicles of Bredain, written by Lloyd Alexander. These are from, I want to say, like, 1963 to... 1964 to 1969. Nice. Nice. Very formative books for me, personally. And not very formative books for me at all. These are... These are children's ass children's books. These are pre YA children's books. These yes. are pre Earthsea children's books. Uh, sixty four is the same year as a Wizard of Earthsea, right? Uh, oh wow, Wizard of Earthsea, nineteen sixty eight. Now do uh, um, uh, Lion the Witch and the Wardrobe. Ooh yeah, good good good. Lion Witch Wardrobe, nineteen fifty. Wow. Okay. I knew I knew that C.S. Lewis was more of the Tolkien generation. I did not realize how much of a gap there was. Lloyd Alexander looks like what I think Neil Gaiman looks like. Lloyd Alexander <laughs> looks like what I imagine C.S. Lewis looks like. Interesting. I imagine C.S. Lewis having more of a round face and not a big nose. Let me let me let me pull up a picture here of C.S. Lewis. I, a man who I've never seen in my life, as far as I know. Uh, no, now, that... <laughs> I kind of got the right shape. But I was thinking of not somebody who looks like Hitchcock. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it, If you showed me this picture of C.S. Lewis that's on his Wikipedia page, and you asked... Oh, C.S. Lewis died before the Book of Three came out. Oh. Huh. That's crazy to think about. I guess he died pretty young, it seems like. 64, wow. That's it. That's sad. It's not nice. Uh, not nice at all. Anyway, um... Uh, he seems like a real bastard. I don't know. Maybe this... <laughs> Anyway, um, he might say the same. I don't, I don't know. Why were we talking about C.S. Lewis? I was looking at these pictures of Lloyd Alexander. Right, right. Because <laughs> I was going to say, if you showed me this picture of C.S. Lewis, um, and you asked me to guess who this was, I would have been like, I don't know, some like 50s director or like 40s like it movie. Because he looks like Hitchcock. He kind of looks like Hitchcock. <clears throat> um, I'm trying to find a list of Lloyd Alexander's work. Um... Um, well, while you do that, um, so the, the Chronicles of Perdane, um, these are like, you know, let's see, how many pages on this bad boy? Like 190 pages. These are sort of like, I would imagine you give this to someone between the ages of like 
8 and 13, maybe, you know, is like, is sort of the intended audience of this. Um, certainly, I can imagine younger kids or older kids getting into it. Uh, I, certainly, as an adult, I was incredibly taken with this book. I would call it the Star Wars section. Yeah. Like, if you're old enough to know Star Wars and, like, follow that, you can follow Dane just fine. Yeah. and so, But it's also going to appeal to much higher than, like, the bare minimum of age needed to mm-hmm. follow it. Yes. So. Yes. It You know, The Hobbit is another obvious pull here. Um, and um, I guess if I was, like, you know, if I was going to give the elevator pitch on... So I have not read the rest of the the Chronicles of Berdain. You have. So, but if I were going to give the elevator pitch on um, the Book of Three, I guess I would say it's sort of Lord of the Ringsy fantasy um, in this first novel, a little bit lower stakes, um, and very like very focused on character development um, and. The other, the other big thing about it is that it is very, like, um, <clears throat> influenced by Welsh, um, uh, folklore and, and myth and, um, culture. Um, but yeah, uh, this book is fucking fantastic. It's pretty good. It's a fucking good book. It's not even one of my favorites of these. Yeah, you, um, you had a little trouble, so, so... To tell people why we're reading this right now, I read the Book of Three, and I believe 2021, maybe 2022, um, and you really wanted me to get through the rest of the series, and I hadn't been doing that, and so we decided to make a project out of it, and so I reread the Book of Three, you reread the Book of Three, um, and you were having a little trouble getting through it, because, well, do you want to tell folks, like, maybe why your enthusiasm wasn't as up as much for the Book of Three? I don't know. You were, you were telling, you told me, and maybe I'm wrong here, was that just that, like, <clears throat> the thing about how much Taryn changes over the course of this series is that it was kind of hard to get invested in him back at, like, square one again, you know? Because yeah. I, th- I think he changes a lot just in the course of he's this a, book. He's a little shit in this book. He's a little shit in this book. <laughs> um. He's a real... <laughs> there are some parts of this book where I can't stand this kid. Um... It helped, rereading, it helped a lot, because I know how much he's going to change over the course of just this book, you know, to he's make so some... He's so tempestuous. That's not right. He's precocious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's precocious. Um, I and just... Island Wee is maybe supposed to be more precocious, so to speak, but uh-huh. she's just kind of right <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. I'm going to... I want to get to Island Wee in just a moment. The thing that... Uh, Brandon, go away. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon? Get it shoo, back out. Shoo. You cannot hear us talk about Island Go outside. Because um, I know Brandon's the listening other, to this. The thing about Lloyd Alexander I wanted to say was that um, I also read The Iron Ring, which is another of his books um, inspired by Indian mythology. Hmm. And uh, I quite liked that one as well. Interesting. Um... I will, I will, uh, I'm going to quote from the book here. Okay. Gwydion smiled, 
Taran of Cairdalban, he said, you are still as touchy and headstrong as ever. Believe that I know what you yearn for in your heart. The dreams of heroism, of worth, and of achievements are noble ones, but you, not I, must take them, must make them come true. Ask me whatever else, and I shall grant it. Um, that's that's Taran in a nutshell, at least in this first book, is touchy, headstrong, wants to be a hero. Um, he's so fucking touchy in this he's book. He's so sexist. <laughs> he <is>. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a dumb little boy who doesn't know anything about the world or uh-huh. about people. He grew up with two old men. Yes. Um, and a pig. <laughs> remind me of their names. It's Dalbin. Cole. Cole. And then Henwin. Yeah. Henwin's not a guy. That's the well, pig. I said Dalbin just a moment ago, but yeah. you were saying Cole. Dalbin's the, the old man. He's like wizardy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cole is, I always thought of him as Ewan McGregor-ish. Yeah. Yeah, He's I'd say so. certainly older, but not, like, elderly. Mm-hmm. But old enough to have, like, had a full life before yes. all this. Yes, Um, and <clears throat> so to give a, you know, quick little plot summary, at the outset of the book, um, uh, Taryn is, um, living... In Cairdalban, which is like a little farm, um, is that how you would describe it? Uh, I mean, yeah, but like, no. Okay, we don't need to belabor that. I'm gonna... The word care specifically means like, I think it means like keep or something mm. like it. Mm. So like Dalbin's keep. It's, yeah, but it's like, it's the two of them living there, and yeah, there is a farm, but it feels kind of like, um, almost like a monastery, in a way. Like, it's an independent settlement from a town, and with where very few people live, but it is a self-sufficient thing that can, like, host people. Yes. But it, it is that sort of, like, collection of buildings and collection of like resources that is not one person's house it's not even two people's houses but Mm -hmm. it's like some weird middle ground there if that makes sense right so um at the outset of the book um taryn is um you know we're 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 introduced to taryn and like his two father figures um call um i'm there's a helpful little Pradane pronunciation guide on his call, which I had forgotten from the audiobook. I don't think it says that in the audiobook. Could be right. Anyway, um, so uh, Call is teaching him how to like forge horseshoes, and he's like, "I want to forge swords and go out and be a hero." Um, and Dalbin, um, who is sort of a wizard, kind of not like full on like. Ooh, I'm waving my magic wand in my fingers and doing incantations. But he's he's, he's meditating. A, he's a wizard. He's a wizard. He's meditating. Yeah, my man is sleeping. <laughs> he's meditating like house. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's going and finding places to nap. Um. So Dalbin is a little disappointed. He's like, I don't want you to be a hero. I want you to like you know, um, grow up right and understand, um. It's not even that he doesn't want Terran to be a hero. It's that he doesn't want Terran to be violent. He's like, why are you drawn to swinging swords around? I want you to care about, like, the important things in life, like raising pigs. I want you to understand how important... Yes. 
Yes. It is to do other things besides being a knight. And yes. That, like, and they're, the responsibility. They're all the virtue and um, no, nobility that is mm-hmm. present in the life of someone who does not go to war. Mm-hmm. Or, or of somebody who does not desire conflict. Yes. Um, and, and, and also just that like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not going to add. I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, and Dalbin tells him, um, a little bit of like, Hey, I think part of the reason maybe you are having these like dreams of heroism and, um, you know, the violence that, uh, accompanies that is that, um, the Horned King, um, this, when I was reading the book, I had a little bit of this hierarchy. I had trouble keeping this hierarchy straight. So there's the Horned King, who is the big bad, right? Of this book. Okay. This was the part I couldn't, I could never keep straight You're in my You're thinking head. of Aran. Aran is like the Sauron. You know. Kind of. Sort of. That That is way oversimplifying and not really what his character is. But there's Aran, who is like... The big, big, big bad. Um, and then there is the Horn King. He's not Sauron because he's just kind of an asshole who lives up the road. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he has armies and stuff. But if you look at the map, it's a very small continent mm-hmm. with not very many people. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of just like that asshole who lives over on the other side of those mountains. Um, and he is like rising in power. Um, and he is seeking out Henwin. Um the the oracular pig who yeah. lives on there uh who lives in Cardalban as well um now <clears throat> for right now cuz she was rescued from Iran mhm by by Cole yeah okay uh right right Iran yes, yes. is somebody who is possessed of a lot of ancient forbidden lore mhm and Hordes knowledge and knowledge here is both magic and presumably engineering, maybe? Yeah. Just like secrets, knowledge about the world. He's sort of hoarded these things from everyone and uh, collects them. So mm-hmm. he collects like magical items and artifacts and oracular pigs. Mm-hmm. And so. And so, yeah, Henwin now is in Cairdalban being taken care of and being sort of, like, kept secret. Um, and Aran has sent forth, like, the Horned King and his hordes to find Henwin. We um, get a sense of this setup where... What are they called? What is Gwydion? A prince? No, what is this, the Horned King? They're, like, war leader? They're the war... Yeah, I don't know. I didn't... Bands of um of soldiers have like a guy leading them that has a, a certain name. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Henwin, uh, you know, senses that the Horned King is getting close to Cairdalban and runs off, and <clears throat> Taryn, who, so after after um after Dalbin explains all of this, uh. Taryn is like, I don't want to be, you know, uh, well, what do I want to be? I, I, or what should I be? I want to be a hero. And you're telling me I can't be a hero. And Dalbin is like, you will be an assistant pig keeper. <laughs> um, you really want a title? I'll give you a title. You now are now the assistant pig keeper. Uh-huh. 
And so... And he gives him a list of duties, and Taryn says, This sounds like everything I already do. This sounds like my chores that I do every day anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so Henwin... Oh, we should say that Taryn is an orphan. Yes, yes. And no one knows his parents. No one knows his parents. It's extremely... If you've read one fantasy novel, it's extremely obvious that, like... Uh, he is going to be an orphan of great import that like the king and the queen or something. Um, I don't know where this is going, but it's extremely obvious to me. But also, if I was six reading this, I'd be like, oh my god, Taryn's parents were really the king and queen the whole time? You know, whatever. Um, we'll get there three books from now or whatever. Um, <clears throat> Literally, the fifth book is called... The, the fifth king. book is called The Kai King. The High King. <laughs> um... That's what they're calling me. <laughs> um, so, um, Henwin flees. Um, Taryn goes after him. Um, and they're, like, hiding from the Horned King. And he bumps into Gwydion, who is this um, great heroic prince that... Um, uh, well, not all that is gold sparkles. <laughs> <laughs> He's dressed in normal clothes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Taryn is disappointed that this man would call himself Strider instead of Aragorn, <laughs> son of Arathorn. <laughs> um, and Gwydion is, like, kind of annoyed at this little kid who's, like, getting in his way. But also he's like, well, fuck. Now this kid's out here and I gotta take care of him because, like, he'll get fucking got by the Horned King. And also he seems to know something about Henwin and I'm trying... I'm out here trying to protect Henwin, so... um. Uh, he's like kind of like begrudgingly takes Taryn along and Taryn like proves himself a little bit, um, you know. Uh, well, they get captured. They get captured, right. They do go and watch some guys get burned alive, but then they get captured. Yes. Before they get captured, we should mention their little buddy they make. They, 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 they befriend a little man. What does he sound like? Oh, Gurgi. He sounds like this in the audiobook crunchings and munchings for little Gurgi. Bashings and smashings for mighty lords. Oh, great champions. I love Gurgi so fucking much, dude. He did not find help with the Horned King. No, only painful beatings and pleadings. (laughs) Gurgi's just like a little... Someone... They meet a guy um, later in the book who is going to describe Gurgi as like halfway... As having no home in the kingdom of either men or animals. Um, and that's sort of Gurgi's thing, is that he's kind of like a... He's just kind of a weird little freak guy. Um, and he... They meet him, and he really wants to... Um, well, a couple things. One, he just wants Gwydion and Terran to feed him. That's what he cares about, is getting fed. But then, like, they feed him, and he's like, oh, these people are looking after me, they're being nice to me after, you know, beatings and bleedings from um, the Horned King. Um, And so he, like, wants to impress them, he wants to help them, he wants to, you know, earn his keep with them. Taryn, at at first meeting Gurgi, is um, very, like, dismissive and very, like, ah, fuck this guy. Very, like, the way that Sam Sam reacts to Gollum, um, you know? Uh, but Gurgi's gonna be their little buddy going forward, um, uh, so. I was just looking up, um, Gurgi, 
Mm-hmm. According to a 1999 publisher's note quoting Alexander on the Chronicles, the people in it were born, like most children, at unlikely and inconvenient times. Gurgi, for example, appeared in the pre-dawn hours. Suddenly there he was, with his groanings and moanings, looking like a disordered owl's nest. Groanings and moanings. But also, he says, almost all the names are in this book are from Welsh myth or history. Uh, Gwydion, for example, is like a trickster hero mm-hmm. of, of lore. Except Islandwy and Terran. Mm-hmm. There are several important characters named Gurgi, or several characters named Gurgi in Welsh legend, the most important of whom was Peridor's brother. Sure. Peridor is a Welsh Arthurian knight. Okay. Um You should read Spear by Nicola Griffith. Yeah, um That's my little tie in to this. But quick 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 little aside. I know Once in Future King, um, you really like Spear by Nicola Griffith. If people have, like, books about King Arthur that they want to recommend, let me know. Um, yes. Have call. you read The Once in Future King? Well, okay, so... Have you read La Morte Arthur? I, that's the one I feel like I should check out, <laughs> because one... The thing is, is that there's... The whole tradition means that there's not going to be... A source yeah. text to to go to. I know that the Morta Morta Arthur is like the closest you get to a source it's, text. It's the most popular, but it's far from the only. Yeah. So it's so, sort of like if anybody has any good Superman stories, I should read. Let me know. I just because it's like you know different times people are going to write about different aspects of it. Uh huh. I'm I'm going to say the thing I've said this on a podcast before, and you roasted me for it, and I deserve to be roasted. I tried to read. The Once in Future King, uh-huh. and it's too British. <laughs> it's very British. It's so fucking British. It's the one first, of the most British books I've seen. The first chapter is like a couple posh gentlemen sitting around. Now, it didn't hit as much for me because I was reading it at the time. Yeah. But I did pick it up at some point in my reading Tolkien days, and it, mm-hmm. I didn't stick with it. But also, I don't know that I would want to read that version anymore, because I would want to read... It was released in individual novels that then were, like, stitched together. Mm-hmm. And some things got edited, and I... I don't know. I yeah. haven't picked which version of the, of T.H. White's Arthur I wanted to read. There is, the unfortunate thing is that there is a Arthur book that I am extremely interested in, that sounds very good, that is very critically acclaimed. Um, I own it. <laughs> Um, and I'm never going to read it because it was written by Marion Zimmer Bradley. Um, yeah, and we don't need to talk about that. We don't need to talk about that. I would encourage you not to Google it. Marion Zimmer Bradley is guilty of crimes that are not worth describing on this podcast. We will move on. <clears throat> but you should read Spear by Nicola Griffith. Yes, I'm extremely interested in that book. Um, it's very good. Uh, it's like five hours on Audible. You don't <laughs> don't look up anything about it. <laughs> anyway, so they meet up with Gurgi and um they get captured. Gurgi flees. Um Um I'm just gonna like just copy that last sentence. They get captured, Gurgi flees. Yeah. I'm just gonna like imagine we've said that throughout the next four books as well. Yes. Um and uh they take Gwydion and Terran to the castle of Queen Akron, Spiral Castle. Um Queen Akron is she is like the person who put uh Aron uh Aron. Aron. Um she like 
gave him some of his power. She, like, you know, brought him up, and then he has cast her aside, basically. And so she is making a play to, you know, get some of her power back. Um, She's kind of like an evil Miss Frizzle. Evil, sexy Miss Frizzle. (laughs) (laughs) She's so evil and sexy in these scenes. (laughs) She she tries to do the seducty thing. Uh Uh-huh. She's also kind of a little bit the doctor. Um, the the lady doctor in my head. Yeah. And she's um she tries to convince Gwydion like to team up with her to overthrow Aron. Um Aron. Aron. There's no O in that name. I don't know why I keep saying it that way. Um <clears throat> and Gwydion won't do it, and so he she throws Gwydion and Terran into the dungeon, separate dungeons, basically. Um, and from here, we don't get much Gwydion for, like, the next, you know, however many chapters. Like, we basically don't get Gwydion until the very end of the book. Um, and so, in the dungeon, uh, Taryn wakes up, and he meets this young woman who is sort of outside his cell, um, Islandly, um, who is... So... Brandon Sanderson clearly read how Island Wee is written in this book, and this becomes the blueprint for how he writes every woman. <laughs> Not every woman, but certainly every every woman every protagonist. Every woman who isn't a MILF. Yeah, every woman who's not a MILF. Every every like teenage woman protagonist, um except for Vin. I don't there's not much Vin in Island Wee. I mean Vin is just kind of depressed. Yeah. Vin is more Kaladin than anything else. Yes, exactly. Vin and Kaladin wouldn't get along. They would kill each other, but uh-huh. they have very parallel thought processes, I think. Yes. Um, and, but yeah, like, Tress is Island Wee. Um, Shallan is Island Wee. Uh, Do you remember the other woman's name? The one who's very Island Wee? Not, um, you're not thinking of the gal from Emperor's Soul, are you? No. Who? Who you are you don't thinking? even remember. We spent so long reading that book and you don't remember her name? Who? From Elantris. Oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, 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 no. No, I've got it, I've got it. There's Raiden. That's a... There's Raithen. And there's... Jesus Christ. What's her name? Oh, I'm such a misogynist right now. Oh my God, I hate <laughs> women so much. <laughs> For a dollar, name this woman. <laughs> Oh fuck me! What is her fucking name? It's L. It's E E E E E. Fuck me, Serini. Serini. E E E E. No. S A R E N E. Yes. Um. Serini is very much like, like um. There, there's going to be a couple times in this book where, um, Island We. I said Serini. Uh, Island Wee is, like, very much the character who's, like, you know, um, oh, I could have got you out of the dungeon if you had asked, but you didn't ask. You've been just kind of a dick to me this whole, <laughs> for the entire hour I've known you, Taryn, <laughs> you know? Um, uh, but, uh, Island Wee and Taryn, um, they, they do not hit it off well, mostly because Taryn is a total dick. He is just an asshole. Um, but despite this, they can set aside some of their differences. They escape the castle. In escaping, they go through a treasure hoard that even, um, Akron 
has not found in the darkest depths of the castle, and Island We and Terran take swords from this. And in removing the sword from the castle, the capsule the castle begins to collapse. Um they escape and they meet up with the best character in these books, aside from Terran himself. Fluter Flam. <laughs> um, he's a bard. He's a bard. He's also a king. Yeah, but like not one that matters. He's just got a very small kingdom, and it's small enough that they don't really need him around, so he goes around doing you know, stuff. You know how like Theoden is king of Rohan. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about the king, we mean the king of Gondor. There are many kings in this series. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just like there's no high king right now. There, there are many kings. What I'm what I'm saying is almost almost like Wales in like the 600s AD. Oh, weird. Oh. Um, it's kind of like kind of like that. Flutterflam is not even on the Theoden level. You know, like <clears throat> Flutterflam is like. Yeah, I guess I'm a king. <laughs> He's like Wilson from House, where he has a job, but you never see him do it. <laughs> He's always showing up with these characters, and he's never really doing his job. But the the difference is that I assume you you never see Wilson doing his job because you assume that he is just off screen being competent and and uh, well adjusted. Meanwhile, uh, like. Flitter Flam is on screen being a total mess of a person. <laughs> He's great. He's got a harp. Uh-huh. He's got a harp that every time he lies, um, it or... breaks or exaggerates mm-hmm. or... Stretches the truth. Stretches the truth. Um, his his harp strings break, um, which <laughs> leads to many comedy scenes as Flitter Flam cannot help himself but lie. <laughs> um, and also, it, it should be noted that, like... <clears throat> So Terran He's not an old man also. You might have seen the Black Cauldron where Gurgi is a dog and Fluter Flam is an old man. He's not an old man. Yeah, he's like In my head he looks like Edward from Final Fantasy IV. It's like if Terran is thirteen, like Fluter Flam is like sixteen, I think. Fluter Flam is like twenty-eight. Is he really? Whatever, I'm not looking at this right now. Um I was gonna like see if I could pull up his age just by looking on Wikipedia. Anyway, um, so, right. Uh, I mean, look at this hunk. Oh, that's a man right there. Um, so, oh, the, the, the other thing to note here quickly is that, like, a, a, a source of conflict becomes that, so Taryn is like, oh, you gotta save my friend from the dungeon, but all he ever says is, my friend. He doesn't describe his friend. He doesn't give the friend's name. He doesn't blah, blah, blah. And so Eilenwi, who's out and about free to move around the castle, goes and saves Fluter Flam. Um, and so when uh, they get out of the castle and <clears throat> um, Eilenwi and Taryn go to meet Fluter Flam, um, she's like, oh, there's your friend. And Taryn's like, that's not my friend. What the fuck? How'd you fuck this up? You're so useless, Island Wee. And she's like, well, you know, you didn't tell me. I just assumed there was only one other person in the dungeons. I just, you know, assumed that that was the person you meant because you didn't describe him in any way. If you had told me who you were looking for, I would have told him that that's not it. That person is not in the castle. Um, so they they assume at this time that um, Gwydion is dead 
and they embark on a quest to go warn um, the kingdom of which Gwydion is a prince, whose name I've forgotten, but I don't super care right now. Do you care? About what? The name of this kingdom. I don't know. I don't know that it has a, king- a name. Um, Cairdathil. I was just going to say that it seems, according to the Perdane wiki, that Fluter Flam is sort of uh, inspired by Lloyd Alexander. Oh, really? Um, it mentions that he's got he's lanky with a pointed nose. Mm. And that certainly describes Lloyd Alexander. And this this art... drawing is like, what if Lloyd Alexander was sexy? <laughs> <laughs> this is Kelsier coded to me. This is Kelsier coded to me. <laughs> That's Kelsier if he went by Kelsier. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so they they take up the task of going to warn Cairdathil. They meet back up with um, <clears throat> Gurgi. Uh, they're being pursued by the Cauldronborn, who are uh, evil servants of uh, Aron. Um, Aron? I'm th- the audiobook must say Aron, because there's no way I would just keep being this wrong. I, I believe your <laughs> capacity to be wrong. It's A-R-A-W-N. It's I, pretty... I have such a powerful memory of it being Arone. I'm looking at the pronunciation guide. I think you'll find that it literally says Arone. It does say Arone. Well, the audiobook says Arone, I think. I don't think that's true. I think it does. Regardless. Arone. 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 Sauron. Arone. I'll get there. Anyway. <laughs> um, I'm looking for any own sound in this list and the only one i saw was like uh nope no no nothing um not a single one quick little like they so they're they're on a journey to go warn cardathel um you know they get into a couple little like side quests here one of which is that they see a Gwithaint, which is like this huge, evil bird monster in the employ of... So, Aran has this type mm-hmm. of minion that can fly, mm-hmm. and um, he's very scary mm-hmm. to most people. Big bird. Um, you know, sort of an agent that is sent out as reconnaissance, sort of like some kind of rider. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and Taryn, everybody's like, oh, we gotta kill that Gwithaint. Um, but it's a baby. It's just a little baby, and Taryn, you know, sort of nurses it, takes care of it, um, and sends it back out into the world, um, and this is going to come back up later, obviously, otherwise I wouldn't be mentioning it. (laughs) Um, they keep going, um, and... They meet up with a guy. This guy's not even in the... I don't remember his name, but he's the old man? He's the old man. He's the Bayorn. <coughs> he's the Bayorn. He's a little more wizardy than Bayorn is, but... Um... Medwin. Medwin. Yes, thank you. I think I think the Medwin stuff is really good. It's like a one of my favorite parts of the book, and it's also like not really plot relevant. It's just that, you know, they get to, you know... In The Hobbit, they get to Bayorn's place and they sort of can lay down their burdens for a little while and catch up and meet this guy who's like at one with all the um, 
nature and animal stuff going around. And he sort of understands the hearts of all creatures. He understands the hearts of all creatures. <laughs> uh, and uh, also a Tom Bombadil type figure, I guess, uh, would be another comparison. And regardless, um, I just think this is good. I think Medwin um, imparts some good sage advice to um, uh, Taryn, and I, I always like characters like these in fantasy novels. Anyway, um, they continue on their journey. Oh, th the other thing is, because he is so, like, part of the animal, like, he is, a, he is a man, but he is, like, so part of the animal kingdom that he's like, well, hey, if Henwin was in danger and she was in this part of the country, like, she would have come to me, you know? So the fact that Henwin is not here means that, like, the Horned King must have her, or she must be in some sort of peril, or, you know, like... But if she was in danger, she would have come here. She would have known to come here. She's an oracular Like pig. all these chickens. Yeah. Um, all the other animals from your place that ran away. Yes. There's a really good bit about this guy. I had some bears over for breakfast, and they made a mess, and I haven't had time to clean it you up. You can Sorry. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> you can imagine the state of things. Yeah. <laughs> they go in, and it's like, yeah, it looks some, like some bears just sort of like... Ate all his fucking food. <laughs> um, so they continue, and um, eventually they come into... The, they're just attacked by the Horn King. They're attacked by the Horn King. And they do have Dole with them now. Yes. He's a dwarf. Yes, Dole the dwarf. Um, a different kind of dwarf, though. Yeah. He's like a um, fairy dwarf. Not, yes. Not like Gimli dwarf. Yeah, much more fae. Um, He's very angry. Yes. He's he's got a chip on his shoulder because all the other dwarves um, can turn invisible, but not him. Um, and <laughs> this leads to a really good comedy bit of it, like Flitter Flam being like, "No, no, no! You're really doing it this time. I can see your outline sort of fading, and then all the <laughs> the strings on his heart breaking at once. It's so good. I love Flitter." <laughs> So they meet up with good old Dolly, who's going to be their guide, and then they're attacked by the Horned King, and Taryn is like, check this out, I'm probably a secret prince, uh -huh. so I can draw Dirtwin, the sword that island we took from the Spiral Castle, that says, don't pull this sword out unless you be of of uh, royal worth, royal blood, yes. no noble blood. Uh -huh. They later retranslate it, and it's actually noble worth, not noble blood. Uh -huh. He starts to pull it out, and he passes out because mm -hmm. there's a lot of fire. And then suddenly, the Horn King just dies. He explodes. Yes. Um, Taren, come to find out. Come to find out. Taryn wakes up in Rivendell. No, sorry, Cairdathel. Um, and Gwydion is like, "Hey, good going back there, actually." Because <laughs> basically, while Gwydion, Gwydion, um instead of being sent to the dungeons of Spiral Castle, was being sent off um, to um, Aran. <laughs> I got it, right? I got it? Mostly. <laughs> um, Gwydion was being sent off to Aran, and um, he sort of, like, gets himself out of Dodge, um, and he... While he's off screen, at some point he learns to communicate with animals. And he learns the, to understand the heart of all creatures. He learns to understand the heart of all creatures. And who does he talk to? He talks to Henwin. But before that? The Gwythaint. Yeah. And the Gwythaint leads, um, leads Gwydion to uh, 
Taryn and, and the band and, um, you know. And then he said the Horn King's name out loud, and that's what actually killed him. Yes, he, from, Henwin told him the Horn King's true name, and he used the, you know, true name magic to, to get the Horn King. And then Taryn is like, well, gee golly, what's the Horn King's name? And Taryn, and Gwydion's like, I can't fucking tell you that. You gotta be a fucking 10th level druid to understand this shit, my man. 10th <laughs> level's kind of like midway, you know. It's like, <laughs> they typically go up to 20. <laughs> I just pulled out a number. Elric is like a 19th level druid on top of everything else. Yeah. I love him. Then everyone gets some gifts. Yes, yes. Um, Island Wee gets a ring made by the Fair Folk. Uh, I'm just reading from the Wikipedia right now because I didn't really remember the gifts. Gurgi gets a wallet of food that cannot be depleted. Fluter gets a golden harp string that can never break. And Doli gets the uh, ability to turn invisible. Taran, who in the course of his adventures has realized that Cairdalban is where he most wants to be, asks only to return home. Gwydion accompanies him back to Cairdalban, along with Ilanwi, Henwen, and Gurgi. Um, everybody and, moves in. Yes, everybody moves in. Ilanwi moves in with Taran uh, and... She, like, clearly is a little smitten with this boy, um, and he says something rude, and the book ends with her being like, God damn it, why is he such a man? He's always saying something rude, and she's always saying, Taryn. Yes. Ta- uh, well, I never. Yes. I love Island Wee. Yeah. Um, we have not talked enough about Island Wee uh, in this ep, but... Don't worry, she's gonna hit a whole book to herself. Oh, really? Castle of there, and she's from there. Okay. Heck yeah. Um... Yeah, if I were going to assign books to the different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Cauldron and Castle of Lear are very islandly heavy. Terran Wanderer, you can imagine, is... Oh, I wonder who that one's about. <laughs> I don't even know if Gurgi's in that one. Huh. I think it's mostly just Terran doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And then High King, everyone comes back together. High King has a bunch of fluter in it as well. Cool. But um, Is he going to become the High King? You know, I can't really say. He's already a king. That's a good start. But, um, yeah, the next two books are going to have a lot more island we. Right, right. Mm. Um, so so Taryn goes and asks um, Dalbin if uh, island we can live with them. Um, and, and Dalbin says, yes, Go. you should probably go tell her. Um he hurried from the chamber and ran to Henwin's enclosure. Islandwee was still there, watching the oracular pig with interest. You're to stay here, Taryn cried. I've asked Dalbin. Islandwee tossed her head. I suppose, she said, it never occurred to you to ask me. Yes, but, I mean, he stammered, I didn't think. You usually don't, Islandwee sighed. No matter. Call is uh, <clears throat> straightening up a place for me. Already, cried Taryn. How did he know? How did you know? Humph, said Islandwee. <laughs> said Henwin. It's <laughs> what it says. Hoinch. I know. It's H W O I N C H. Hoinch. Hoinch. Yeah. But yeah, Humph said Islandwee is sort of her character in a nutshell. Islandwee's fantastic. But not in a like pouty Dresden Files way. No, no, no. no. And they clearly like, oh. There is. There is. Lloyd Alexander is watch, walking a tightrope with all these characters that's really good. Like, Taryn could be too whiny, but he's not. He's just whiny enough so that when he's less whiny by the end of the book, you're like, wow, Taryn's really grown up. Taryn's grown up 
a little bit. You know, he's he's gotten a little more mature. He's not, you know, finished his character arc. He's gone on, like, the first step of his character arc. You know? Mm-hmm. Island Wee, and it helps that this is a book from the 60s. If, if this same character was written this exact same way today, it might play different because it's so, you know... This just plays culturally differently, I think. Um, she's so much the archetype of the um, sarcastic, sassy girl in some ways. But she she's never too much of those things. It always feels like it's coming from the heart with her. Well, she is the type of spunky female protagonist who exists in a world with sexism but has never encountered it. Mm-hmm. And so she's like... Well, why would you assume this? That's dumb. Anyway, I can do this X, Y, Z. Yeah. And then Taryn has to be like, oh, gosh, gee, I didn't really think about a girl doing that. Yeah, I didn't realize women could also be helpful. <laughs> um, Island Wee gets on Twitter and posts, God forbid women do anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, or, you know, Fluter Flam could just be comedy relief character. And he's not, you know, like, Fluter has stuff going on. Um, he's a whole adult. Yes. He's got, you know, ideas. He contributes to the He's a, He's a little, he's immature, but he, you know. Um, he's not as competent as Gwydion, because Gwydion is like a warrior and a prince. Mm-hmm. Fluter is like, yeah, I'm a king. I, I got some bard training, but like. I'm not going to fuck with these things. Yeah. I'm not going to go fight somebody with a sword. I'll take a sword to protect myself, but I'm not going to run out there and fight someone with it. And, and you know, Gwydion is so much like... Gwydion, in a... In a book that I think... In a lesser book, Gwydion would be... Um, would be the way that Terran sees him. Of just this, like, hero, like, above reproach, above, you know, just, like, perfect in his golden flowing locks and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But in this, he's, like, a little more down to earth, you know. Um, he is noble. He is heroic. He is the things that Terran believes him to be. But the reason he's he is those things is because he's thoughtful um, and he's a good listener and um, he, like... He puts a lot of, like, care into the things that he does, and he he is a good judge of character, you know? He's very responsible. Yes, yes. Um, it's, it's fucking great character writing all through this book. Lloyd Alexander, I think, knows how to write a thing or two. Yeah. Um, and I am excited, because, yeah, I read, like I say, I read this book a year or two ago, really loved it, didn't, didn't keep up with the series, um... Very, very excited now to continue through the rest of these books. Real quick, what page were you reading from? That was the last page of the book. What page was that? 186. 186? Mm-hmm. The book is 186 pages long? Mm-hmm. Wow. You could you could just do anything back in the day. Yeah. You just write 150 pages, 160 pages. <laughs> um... I was watching, um, I was watching a Daniel Green video today, and he was putting this book on blast that I thought actually sounded kind of good. It's the new book from, um, the author of the Murderbot books, um, which I have not read. They sound interesting. Um, they sound 
cringy. The way people describe them sounds cringy. I do think most people sound cringy when talking about books. I guess that's true. The thing, the thing about... Part of the reason I've gotten so deep into reading older books is that I cannot... History has done some of the work of separating the wheat from the chaff uh, on older books, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I simply am not aware of old books that are not held in some regard, you know? Um, the the contemporaries of Michael Moorcock, who are just terrible, I just don't know about those guys because, like, those guys don't get, you know, read and reread and um, <clears throat> passed down. Whereas, like, the the, the current state of like book criticism on the internet is so in shambles that i truly cannot understand why people like books what they're looking for in books um and so it is hard sometimes the murder bot books sound good right but the the people who like them and the way in which they like them always makes them sound terrible you know it sounds too cute it yes. sounds like this was written in 2008 Mm-hmm. And like, what's his name? The guy from Torchwood is in it. Yes, Jack Harkness. Well, the the actor. Uh, uh, I have no idea. Who's that guy? I know. You can see him. I know his head. face. Yes, but yeah, it like, and I, I, you know, John Barrows, Barrowman, Barrowman. I think that's right. Yeah, might have the first name wrong, but who cares? Uh, I think John Barrowman is right. Um. It just like it felt like that of like a, a something that's too cute to mm. like HK forty seven. Yes. Anyway, the, the the reason I brought this up though is that so Martha Wells, the author of the Murderbot books, has a new book out. I'm not clear if it's supposed to be the first in a series or if it's a standalone thing. But Daniel Green was reviewing it, and his review he was just putting this book on blast. He really did not like this book. Um. And all of his complaints made me more and more interested in it. Uh, one of his complaints is, you know, it's like supposed to be an epic fantasy thing, but it's only like 400 pages. And I was like, only 400 pages? Thank Christ. <laughs> uh, and yeah, just like, this is this is functionally like a novella. If this was... Oh, Witch King. Yeah, Witch King. Um, I wish... Uh, another thing? Uh, the Book of Three. Great title. Um... The Book of Three, by the way, is like this big book that Dalbin has that he gets his lore from. Um, and you can't touch it. You're not allowed to touch it. No, what hurts you. Right, yeah. If you're not allowed to touch it, then it stings your fingers. The Book of Three, um, you know, the Tombs of Atuan. There's a, there's a definite, like, how people titled these books back in those days sort of thing. Uh, uh, the Blank of Blank. A Court of Thorns and Roses. Well. <laughs> but, like, so many so many book titles now are so not descriptive. Witch King does not help me. Um, uh, it makes me think of The Lord of the Rings. It makes me think of The Lord of the Goddamn Rings. Anyway, yeah, just being like, oh, it's supposed to be epic fantasy, but it's only, like, 400 pages. I was like, yeah, dog, you can, you know. I mean, this person also wrote such things as The Death of the Necromancer and uh, uh, I just lost it. The ships of air, for mm. example, those are cool titles. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I yeah, all this to I say that I don't mean that... to just totally dismiss the murder bot thing. Mm. It's just that the impression I got was that it was it wasn't appealing to me. It is it is impossible for me to tell from the outside looking in if a if a book released in the last ten years is good or not. And I don't. It's impossible for me to tell, and I err on the side of that sounds stupid. Uh huh. I err on the side of that Which sounds... Which is, like, in, maybe not the best way to go about it. But also, like, the things that people will tell me are good sometimes are just not up to par. Because, mm. like... I don't know. The, like, just... We value different things in books than people who... Review on Goodreads book talk. Even when YouTube. I like a book that is a recent book that is a popular book, I like it for such different reasons yes. than other people that I'm like, okay, so this wasn't this was like an anomaly. Yes, yes. It's, it's not like I'm getting the same thing out of this that you are. Mm. It's just oh, this happened to a line. I also like weird, messy, kind of subpar books sometimes. Um, and uh, you also really like the locked tomb. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like, <sighs> but that doesn't mean that we're getting the same thing. Me and this hypothetical person I've invented, mm-hmm. we're not getting the same thing, and there's nothing useful about that because anything else that this person probably likes is going to be in line with that, but not necessarily in line with the what reason you like. Yeah, I thought this I'm is... like, oh yeah, that kind of. I would like to know more about the world that this story takes place in. I think that there's some cool concepts here. I, I know that you're very focused on character work and you're doing a good job. I'm just like very interested in the greater picture. And then um, the thing that many people who really like the locked tomb are really into is like char- character, you know, you yeah. like, like the USA uh, channel, like characters welcome. Like, you know. <laughs> The Locked Tomb series is a great is a great pull here because like I really I really bounced hard off of Gideon the Ninth and then I read like two chapters of Harrow and was like you know what I it's I'm, a weird I'm good. one because the thing for me with with the Locked Tomb stuff was that it felt like it felt like it was spinning like seven plates and like none of them were quite coming together for me and and it was like so it's like the stuff that wasn't working for me in locked tomb was so in the in the nitty-gritty details of it of just like is this a murder mystery book is this a like going through a dungeon book is this the obfuscation of what that book is about yes both in the by the book itself and by the people who recommend it is just infuriating. I I I think that 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 book never really had a clarity of purpose to me. I never had a sense of this is the thing that we're doing in this book. You know, um, the pitch on the back of the of the book doesn't tell you what the book is about. The 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 if you read the the inside cover of Gideon the Ninth. I think it tells you about the first two chapters and then they go somewhere else and go do some other shit for the rest of the book. You know, it it talks about like, oh, they have to go do a thing for the empire, but they never, 
at no point is it ever spelled out sort of like what the book is going to be. And that's kind of in line with the events of the book because it's not spelled out for the characters mm-hmm. what their time is going to be spent doing. But I just felt like, you you know, that's not and what people are going to come to the Lock Tomb for. And it's not what they're going to want from other things. Like, the... the only other thing that i've read recently that is a newer newer book is the coward mm. uh, by stephen arion and it that was really good i liked it quite a bit um i never read the sequel the sequel came out like a year ago and i should read it but i never did and i just every time something comes up i'm just like well it sounds kind of Right, so so to 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 bring to bring everything home of what I'm talking about, like for me with Gideon the Ninth, I bounced off that book because of like storytelling stuff of like you know um, how the book functions, and then when you try to talk about that book with anybody, I, I frankly I don't talk about that book with anybody because I I have an opinion that no one I know shares, and so I just um you know I don't really get into it ever uh but when i hear people talk about that book because it comes up on other podcasts i literally yesterday at work um a friend of mine reads fantasy novels like oh what are you reading and he he told me he was reading the newest locked tomb book um i have it i should maybe try it it's just like i started it and i was like oh okay we're doing another new mystery box mm -hmm. for this one but but When when other people talk about it, when I was talking about, you know, these books at work or when I hear about it on a podcast, what I hear is talk about certain tropes that come up in the book and um, certain, like, uh, the things that people enjoy in it are, like, the tropes, um, these sort of, like, broad archetypes that characters fit into, the, um, like, and how those things get smashed together. Um, and I don't want to say that's like a not valid way of enjoying the book. If that's a thing that you enjoy about those books, uh, that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm not saying the way that I read that is different. I'm just, I'm saying that it's different. I'm not saying that the thing that I'm getting out of it is better. It does just make it impossible to find discussions of recent books and to glean any information from it because when people talk about tropes and stuff, I'm like, this is not what I care about at all. You know? Um, Especially because as somebody who reads a bunch of like sixties and seventies books, you read a bunch of the stuff, the, the places that these tropes originate from. And there's no sort of today. I was, I watched a video and there's some offhand comment about Ursula K. Le Guin wrote a wizard of Earthsea, often considered the first wizard school book. And it's like, distilling a wizard of Earthsea, which i think is like this triumph of literature like this absolute like master class in everything that i could ever want from a fantasy novel and to call it the first wizard school book is just like to me feels demeaning to the book feels i've heard the first ya book mm-hmm. i've heard wizard of Earthsea called the first ya book which doesn't mean anything it does not mean a goddamn thing if you call something ya before like 2009 it doesn't really matter or yeah count or mean anything ya is a like marketing term that was bubbling up in the culture for a couple of decades and then the harry potter thing sort of crystallized it but even the harry potter thing 
only becomes YA after the fact. When I remember when I was a kid, Harry Potter was a book for children because YA was not an established category. Can I tell you something? Yeah. It's still a book for children. It's still a book for children. (laughs) Because they're all books for children. Well, I guess the last two are like political thrillers, (laughs) so to speak. Or or rather, you know. I, I have a hard time because I feel there's part of me that wants to be really condescending about some of this stuff. There's a part of me that's like, this shit is stupid and you should feel bad about liking it. And I don't really want to give in to that urge because, like, whatever, they're fucking books. We all only have, you know, so much time on this earth. Why do I care if someone's reading a book for different reasons than I do? Um, but I feel the, I feel the urge to be condescending, you know? But, and, and you know what? I will be condescending about the Harry Potter books. Yeah. You know what? Those are books for fucking children. Fuck you if you like them. It's not. I'm more in, <laughs> more concerned with them being bad than them being for children. Anyone yeah. can read whatever they want. Yeah, we we're we're here to talk about the next four books that are you all for children. You should probably read Elric though. Yeah, if you're really into Harry Potter, you should read Elric. <laughs> if you're into Harry Potter, you should pick up the Revenge of the Rose. No, no, no. I understand that it's like the fifth book. The it's either like the ninth book or the fifth book, depending on what uh, order you're going in. Um, you should just read the Revenge of the Rose. It's fucking great. You won't understand any of it without reading the other books. But like, you what just... is what could they possibly introduce that you need beyond the basic concept of Elric? Because everything I've read of Elric so far has just needed, hey, there's this guy. He's sick. He's got a cool sword. Mm-hmm. He's you know. The... Wandering emperor of a dying nation. It's, it's so weird. It's all, it's all there. That's the thing about sword and sorcery is that the main premise is already is really all you need. All you need to know is like, hey, here's this guy with a sword. Here's his buddy, the wizard. They're going on another adventure. Here, the thing about the thing about Elric that is so weird is that so the omnibuses of Elric that were published in 2022. Do it. So the first omnibus is Elric of Melimidae, Sailor on the Seas of Fate, um, uh, Fortress of the Pearl. No, it's Fortress of the Pearl is the second one. Fortress of the Pearl then is the second Sailors. one, then Sailor, and then um, Weird of the White Wolf. Weird of the White Wolf contains the first Elric stories that were ever written, um, but then weren't collected in Weird of the White Wolf until 1977. Because most people had either read them as short stories or in an earlier collection, Elric, Stealer of Souls, in 1963. Um, and then, like, Elric of Melnibene is this uh, origin story that comes after the fact, written in 1971. Sailors from 1976. Fortress of the Pearl, he took, like, ten-plus years off from writing Elric and then comes back in 1989. And crushes it. And fucking crushes it. <laughs> I got it. Fortress of the Pearl in 89 and Revenge of the Rose in 91 are the two best Elric books. Um, I've had, I'm not as well read on Elric as you. Um, <laughs> why did I start talking about Elric? Uh, we, you had said if you like Harry Potter, you should read Elric, which is kind of like saying, uh, like, if you like Game of Thrones... Uh, you should read. I don't know. If you like Game of Thrones, you should read Lord of the Rings. No, it's more like um, if you like the Dragon Prince, you should read the Black Company. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's more like that. Um, oh, I started talking about this because Elric is weird because you could just pick up 
the Fortress of the Pearl or Revenge of the Rose is like your second Elric book, you know, or your or your first Elric book because the premise is just sort of Elric is is more has a questionable moral compass and has an evil sword. He's got a pact with uh this uh devil god guy Ariok, you know, a lord of chaos. A lord of chaos. That's really all you need, but also uh, like, but if you every... never, but if you read the Hawkwind books, and well, if no, you no. read the <laughs> the Hawkmoon books, please the Hawkmoon. But Hawkwind is the band. Yes. Um. Everything is. Elric of Malnibene is sort of playing on what a reader from 1971 would have known about the stories from the 60s. You know, and and then, but Elric of Malnibene is just sort of what almost everybody reads as their first Elric book. You know, and like. There's stuff in Revenge of the Rose that is like, you know, if you're reading this in 1991, you almost certainly know about Stormbringer, where where the book where Elric dies. I don't know anything more than that, other than that guy's going to be fucking dead in Stormbringer, you know. Um. <clears throat> well, the the fourth short story that comprises Stormbringer is called The Doomed Lord's Passing. Yes, right. And so it's like, it's weird. I haven't read Stormbringer yet, you know. But anybody who would have been reading Revenge of the Rose when that book came out would uh, would have read it. And so it's weird. Um, it's like watching Star Wars in chronological order. Yes, it, it is. It is a lot like watching The Phantom Menace first. But also it's like, yeah, you can watch The Phantom Menace first because what you really need to know is that there are wars in the stars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is going to conflict in weird ways. But, you know, that's fine. <clears throat> You've been doing a whole lot of Moorcock research. I, I I need Moorcock. Yes. Very cool. Um, I, I just keep thinking. I'm, I am putting together... Other people on the internet have have done this also. Um, but it's... There is not a very... There is not a complete... Michael Moorcock bibliography that exists out that are out there on the internet. The internet speculative fiction database does have the best one I've seen so far. Um, but I have been sort of assembling one, uh, specifically in a spreadsheet that one could, if one so chose, do a podcast about every Michael Moorcock book. Uh, if that was a thing they were interested in doing, we're not making any sort of commitments. But if that's... we get to a thousand bucks a month, we'll do it. <laughs> Okay. Sure. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you want to help us get to where we can do a Michael Moorcock podcast, um, tweet I need Moorcock. <laughs> tweet hashtag I need Moorcock and tell people tell all your followers. Um, post on co-host Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Tell gotta your get it trending on co-host. Get those algos pumping on yeah. co-host. Yeah. Get, Make a YouTube video about how you need more cock. Um, and why'd you say it like that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and let everybody know that um, you want to hear us do a podcast about every Michael Warcock book. That is such a massive undertaking, and most of that stuff is not available in audio. So I'm gonna have to like get over some like undiagnosed ADHD stuff to to make this happen. If we want to make this happen, hey, but... if we hit twelve hundred, we'll get her a diagnosis. <laughs> 
1500 we both get SSRIs. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Fantasy books. They're fun. Yeah. So, um... When next you see us, we will be talking about Mistborn. The Final Empire, mm-hmm. if you're so inclined. I am not so inclined. I call that book Mistborn. We will also be reading more Perdane books, but that will not be in this feed. Yeah. If you want to hear our discussion of The Black Cauldron, The Castle of Lear, uh, Terran Wanderer, or The High King, you're going to have to cough up five bucks a month on that Patreon. You'll be helping us get more cock. Um... <laughs> I, I'm sorry. The just... man didn't choose his name. <laughs> He's not like us. It's just funny. He's just it. British. He can't help it. <laughs> I will. Here's my solemn vow to you is that if we do this, one, I won't keep making the same joke that I've been making for like a week now. And two, I'll come up with another name for it. Like, I. Because we can't. I can't keep doing this. But. $5 a month, it'll help that podcast happen, and you will get to hear our thoughts about the next four books in the series, um, and then, yeah, potentially other series after that. We were originally planning to do Elric for the $5 patrons next, but now that's, you know, a little more up in the air, because we're possibly taking on this much more massive project. After Perdane, you can look forward to something else. Yeah. Probably Aragon. Probably Aragon. Probably Aragon by Christopher Pellini or uh, The Forest of Silence by Emily Rada, which is the first Del Toro quest book. One of those. Mm-hmm. One of those is like 90 pages long. One of those is like 300 pages long. So who knows which one we'll pick. We should probably <laughs> at some point not do books for kids, but, but those are all books for kids that I'm interested in reading. Um, and I don't... I've, I, I've sounded harsh on this podcast. Books for kids are good. Uh, I mean, look. Perdane book... certainly kicks the shit out of Dying Earth. <laughs> you know what? Perdane kicks the shit out of Dying Earth. Even on outside of demographics, like, I don't have anything against people who read books for children. I have maybe something against people who only read books for children. Mm-hmm. But that's a different thing. I ha- I have maybe something against people who only read books for children and then sort of like either get defensive about it or sort of try to obfuscate that or or um like deflect from that. I'm more concerned with somebody who only reads books for children and then expects more of them. Yes, thematically. Yes. But I, the I, reason I want to do Del Toro Quest is mainly because it again, much like Perdain, a very very formative series. I just think it's fun. Uh, there's not a lot to it, mm-hmm. but I want to talk about it at some point. If you want to just do a one-off where you read that green book over there and you're done, mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, I would love, I would love to do the Icewind Dale trilogy at some point. Which one is that? That is the first Drizzt books, not the not the first Drizzt books, but. The Crystal Shard, the Halfling's Gem, and Streams of Silver. I might have... Streams of Silver is the second one. Streams of Silver is the second one. Streams of Silver is mid, is the thing. Okay. That's the last one I read. And I didn't finish it. I got to like 85% and stopped. uh, And just got bored and never went back. We could could also do um, the Dark Elf Trilogy, which is 
the next books that come sure. out after the Icewind Dale and are just the Drizzt origin story, I think. We could read the Dark Sun books. Can I almost said Cameron. What I meant to say is Range Touch is doing Book of the New Sun, right? At some point, yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember if that was like coming up soon or if that was like a somewhere down the line or what. I mean, Homestuck's over. Yeah, I couldn't remember if they said they were doing it after Homestuck. I think they originally were going to do Le Guin, but then... they they I think they mentioned doing Le Guin after Stephen King on some episode regardless, somewhere. Um, I don't think I, I would... Want... I, don't, I wouldn't want a podcast about Book of the New Sun. No. Uh, maybe for anomalous readings someday, but like... I would that's... like... I would like very much to read Book of the New Sun. I probably yeah. will do that in the next... Year. Year. Yeah, probably probably sometime there, there between now. There are plenty now of and... fantasy stories I'd like to talk about on a podcast, but like, I don't know. I would love. We so we when we did Dragons of Autumn Twilight, I was like, "Hey, I'll read Dragons of Winter Night and um, a spring. It's not Spring Flame. It's I I, I genuinely Dawning know. Spring Dawning. I'll probably read those two, and then once we're once I'm done with all the chronicles, we'll sort of have another casual chat um, about those. I would love to do that with Book of the New Sun to just like show up after I read Shadow and Claw, talk about those two books. Show up after I read the next because I know there are people who are like Shadow and Claw is great, but the other two are bad or something. I is, don't know. Okay, whatever. I, Mark is writing in as we speak. <laughs> Hi, Mark. I have only read the first two. I haven't gotten around to the others, but I like them. Yeah. I oh, I meant to ask you, are the Amber books, like, kids' books, or are they... No. Okay, okay. No. They are I, short. I thought because like, they were... Like kids. <laughs> <laughs> I thought because they were short, they were for kids, and then I read some stuff about them. Yeah. I read, the second book is called "The Guns of Avalon," and I was like, "Hey, wait, are these are these kids' books?" <laughs> no, um, I'm I'm. They're kind of about sort of a multiverse. I've had another multiverse series on the brain recently. What if the, there was a multiverse that kind of was like branches? Mm -hmm. So like you start off here and then you shift over to Earth, but, you know, uh, the Beatles didn't break up. Then you shift <laughs> into Earth and the Soviet Union didn't break up. Then oh. you shift into Earth and the sky is green suddenly. You've gone too far. Right. Uh, huh. But also that means if you go back... Eventually, you get down to a core center real universe that is more real than the other huh. dimensions, kind of like Frugal Wizard, and that is Amber. Interesting. And Corwin is from Amber. Um, interesting. Yeah. Um, you thought it was crazy to say, here's an alternate reality where the Beatles didn't break up? No, no, no. It was just when you said the Beatles didn't break up, I started to, oh, okay, I see what the, the, the premise is here. When you when you said branches, I didn't quite get you, but then as soon as you said that, I understood it. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I wanna, I'm going to check those out. Um, I've, I've had... We got to wrap this up. We got to wrap this up. 
I've had Dark Tower on the brain a little bit. Shut the fuck up. I want the You tower. can find me on Twitter at neither Nora. You can find stuff I've done at norablake.online. Find me on co-host at Ashworm, Ash with an E, Worm with a Y. Find me on other podcasts like the Second Best Game Club, where Molly and I play video games called Journal Updated. Uh, we're playing Half-Life this month. Uh, next month, I think we're playing Castlevania Lords of Shadow. So that'll be fun. Quick. I just, you have 30 seconds, go. <laughs> I just, you know... 30, 29, <laughs> 38, I don't want to read Dark Tower because I feel like I need to read a bunch more Stephen King books before I can understand the Dark Tower, but the Dark Tower is kind of the thing that interests me the most. Anyway, you can find me on Twitter at Autumnal underscore coffee. You can find me on co-host at Autumnal. Uh, I've been doing show notes for coffee and comic books, and I might do show notes for this on co-host. Uh, Patreon.com slash export audio to support everything that we do. You have 16 free seconds. <laughs> anyway... anyway. Uh, that's it for this episode. Hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back next week-ish, about a week after this comes out, to talk about Mistborn. You can look for us in a month's time to talk about something else. Probably Well of Ascension next month? I th- I think... I would like, because these books are so short to try to do Well of Ascension and the Black Culture next month. But also, we we work a lot, you know. Once we finish watching the Lord of the Rings movies, things will free up a little bit. Things will free up a little bit, um, you know. And then, even if we can manage that for June, July gets dicey because we're going out of town. Does going out of town mean that we're going to have a ton of time to read or that we'll have no time to read? Impossible to say. I don't know. The last time I went to see my mom... I read, like, all of Cross Game in two days. You know, I had a shit ton of time to read. Who knows what'll happen this time? You know, maybe we'll end up, you know, doing stuff and going out and about the whole time. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, let's just sign off for this. Thanks, Lloyd. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Lloyd Irving. <laughs> what a chad. What a chad. <laughs> Damn, I must be a genius. That's Zelos.
welcome back to ours arcanum a podcast where we read some fantasy books um you know normally we read uh brandon sanderson but <clears throat> if you're a five dollar patron you recently got an episode about dragons of autumn twilight if you're not a five dollar patron you will be by the end of this episode you will be by the end of this episode or else there's no or else (laughs) this is not a choice um this is a free episode so um words 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 i'm gonna take another crack at that intro (laughs) you can't just say words 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 podcast done bing (laughs) (laughs) you want me to start over no I'll, i'll put that after the outro music that can that can just be an after the outro little 